the title of today's message is called, Are We Being Screened? Are We Being Screened? There is an urgent need in this hour, in the culture in which we live, in the nation in which we live, in the nations of the world, for truth to be heard and received. And we, the church, the body of Christ, is being summoned in this hour to be that voice of truth. It's our privilege and it's our responsibility to share truth. But there needs to be certain essentials in place in order for us to be effective in sharing truth. And those essentials is what we're going to be looking at today. And like always, I like to ask questions. I ask the questions of you that the Holy Spirit has also asked of me. They're not questions to trick us. They're questions to um, strengthen us, to mature us, to challenge us, to transform and change us. So the first question that I'd like to ask today is this. In the hour and the culture in which we live, do you think it is appropriate for us the body of Christ, to be screened. Our flesh would cry out, no, it's not acceptable, it's not appropriate, I don't want to be screened. But our spirit would resound with a responding, yes, please screen me. And I guess the root of the question actually goes a little bit deeper into who or what is screening me. We don't want to be screened, censored, or silenced by the kingdom of darkness in any way, shape, or form. We don't want to line up with the world's definition of what's right and wrong. We don't want to come into the woke mentalities, the progressive ideologies, nothing that's affiliated with deception and rooted in the kingdom of darkness. But we do want to be screened by the kingdom of light under the submission to the authority and the Lordship of Jesus Christ, aligning with the truth of his word and the presence and habitation of his spirit. So today we're gonna take a look into what it means to be screened. And we're gonna basically look at four simple definitions. And we're gonna take those definitions and we're gonna move them from a physical context into a spiritual application. So the four definitions of screening that we're going to look at, the first one is to screen something, is to filter it. And if I would go to the beach with my little play sand screen, and I would scoop deep into the sand, I'm looking for treasures. I'm looking for seashells, sand dollars, rocks, gems, maybe jewelry or something that somebody lost or left behind. And this thing here would sort out. It would filter out. To screen something is to filter it. It would filter out those things that are not beneficial and not wanted, and it would leave for me the treasures. Does that make sense? And the second definition that we're going to be looking at is to screen something is to protect it, to conceal it, to hide it, to shield it. For example, if I would put sunscreen on my skin, I'm protecting it, I'm shielding it, I'm covering it 
from dangerous exposure to some of the sun's rays. If I would put a screen here between me and you, a partition, a screen, it reminds me of the old Western movies where they would stand behind a screen to change their attire so that they would be shielded, protected, concealed, that you might not be able to view or see them. So another purpose of a screen is to protect. The third definition of screen is to display. We want to, if we want to screen something, we want to display it, broadcast it, show it, make it known. This morning, we, the screen contained the words that were displayed for us to sing during praise and worship. Our cell phones and our computers have a screen that displays images of the things for us to see. If we're going to screen a movie or screen a new video, we're going out to see what's displayed, what's shown, what's broadcasted in that film or that video. And last but not least, to screen something is to investigate it. We're going to check it out. We're going to test it to see whether there is the absence or presence of something that would make it suitable and acceptable for the function that it's to carry out. For example, if I was applying for, excuse me, for a job and I would fill out my application, they would do a, backward, a background screening on me to see whether or not the experience and the education I have would make me acceptable and suitable for that position. So again, we're talking about screening. These are the essentials that need to be in place for us to be effective people in this hour, proclaiming truth, being the voice of truth. We're screening to filter, to protect, to display, and to investigate. So let's look at the first one, to filter. We're sorting out something. We're removing those things that are not beneficial and of not a value. All that we want left is the treasures. So in this hour, we need to have a screen over the portals of entry that go deep into the depth of our being and impact our soul, our mind, and our, ultimately our heart. We not only need to have a screen on the portals of entry, we need to have a screen on the portals of exit, if you will, as well. What is coming out of us needs to be screened so that what is coming out is the treasures we're, silt, we're sifting, we're sorting through. So our portals of entry, what are our portals of entry? They're basically our eyes, those things that we see and behold, and they're our ears, those things that we hear. We have to guard what's going in. Why? Because what goes in is going to eventually come out. And do you remember the song we used to sing, at least I did when we were in Sunday school, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down with love. It's not a harshness. It's not an anger. It's in love because he wants to, us to guard and protect our heart because he knows that death can infiltrate our being. Destruction can infiltrate our being. And he wants us to take in life, to take in truth. So we're guarding what goes in and we're guarding what comes out. What is the exit? What is the portal of exit? 
It's basically our actions, what we do, our hands and our feet. And it's also what we speak, our mouth, our voice. And that's what we're going to be focusing pretty much on today is our voice. We are called to be the voice of truth. And in order to be that, these screens need to be in place. We need to filter what's going in and we need to filter what's going out because what goes in will eventually come out. And what we take in has the potential to destroy us. Um, it, it, it works in the physical realm as well. If I'm a junk food fanatic and all I consume in my diet is tons of sugar, tons of fat, tons of processed food, eventually it's going to block the flow of life within me. Life is in the blood. It was in the blood of Jesus Christ. Life is what purchased our life eternal, our life abundantly. Life is in the blood. And if we consume a diet of junk, our arteries, veins, and capillaries are going to be restricted. There's going to be a buildup of plaque. It impedes and blocks the flow of life, which can eventually cause destruction and eventually can lead to death of our physical bodies. The same with our spiritual beings. If we are junk food fanatics in the spiritual realm, and we're taking in all kinds of junk through the internet, through movies, through books, through the news and the media, through TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, whatever out there. If we're not watching what we consume, we are taking in junk that has the potential to block the flow of life in our hearts. And what is in our hearts will come out of our mouths. And Luke 6, 45 says this, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For it's out of the abundance of our heart that our mouth speaks. Therefore, we have been given filters, filters for these portals of entry and filters for these portals of exit. And there are basically two main filters. The first filter is the word of the Lord. Truth. Truth. God's word is truth. And if what we are taking in and what we may be wanting to release does not line up with truth, then we don't let it in and we close our mouth and we don't let it out. Does that make sense? The other filter that we have in our lives is Holy Spirit. The unction within us is what I'm seeing and hearing is what I'm about to say or do grieving to the Lord. Is it grieving the Holy Spirit? Am I getting an unction within me that says, whoa, close the portals of entry, close the portals of exit. Don't do, don't say, don't engage in what you're about to gauge in. And when we're talking about Holy Spirit, we can look at all the fruits of his spirit, but we really want to make sure that when we're ready to release something and speak truth from our mouth, that our motivation is love, that we're motivated by love and compassion, and we're not motivated by anger or hate or retaliation. Because once words are released, they cannot be retrieved. 
and they don't fall dead to the ground. They go out into the atmosphere and they carry power. They carry life within them, depending upon what you have consumed, or they carry death within them, depending what you have consumed. We have a mighty weapon of warfare. Our mouth is like a launching pad. It can launch weapons of war that bring death and destruction, or it can launch weapons of war, if you will, that can bring restoration, healing, and life. Therefore, when we speak, we need to use our filters and we need to let Holy Spirit choose the words that are to be spoken. We need to choose our words wisely. Why? Because Proverbs 8.21 decrees, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love life, those who love it, will eat its fruit. We need to choose our words wisely. Colossians 4, 6 says this, chapter 4, verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace. Grace is the presence and the power of the Lord. Let your speech always be with grace and let it be seasoned with salt. Salt heals, salt preserves, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. And if your spiritual diet has been consuming the Word of God as your main course and taking in truth through other avenues, because we do live in a world and we do need to filter what comes in and we want to take in truth, the Word of the Lord says we are to meditate we are to ponder and to we, are, we are to think about those things that are true, that are noble, that are just, that are pure, that are lovely and of a good report. How many news stations can you turn on and get that filter? Not many. We need to be careful what we are consuming. And you know what? Our heart is like an arsenal full of weapons. Weapons that can bring death and destruction into the camp of the enemy and weapons that can bring life to people and people groups. Therefore, we choose our words wisely. And um, Psalm 141.3 says this, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, and keep watch over the door of my lips. For I want the ammunition the arsenal that I have built in here to be the word of God. And Psalm 119.11 says, It's your word that I have hid in my heart, that I would not sin against you, Lord, that I would not sin against you. can go over multitude of scriptures that instruct us and teach us to control our tongue, to watch the words that we speak, but in reality, James tells us there's only one person who can control our tongue. And it's not us. It's Holy Spirit. That's why he's a powerful filter on what comes out of our mouths. And I would ask you one more question. And the question is this. What I'm sharing with you today is not a new revelation, obviously. It's a fundamental, foundational truth. 
But the question remains all through our Christian walk and through our journey in life. It is this, do we do what we already knew? Do we do what we already knew? Because if we don't, James also tells us in James chapter 1, verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, or you'll deceive your own selves. You know that slogan or, excuse me, that jargon, that phrase, you're trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes, comes kind of, I've read from those British um, 17th and 18th century parliament where they would wear those big white woolen wigs, you know? And if you were trying to deceive them, you know, especially if you were in parliament, you would um, try to pull the wool down over their eyes that they would be blinded, they couldn't see truth, they couldn't perceive you know, if we are hearers of the word only and, do, and not doers, we're pulling the wool over our own eyes. This is something we can't blame on the enemy, that he's deceived us. The word's saying we've deceived our own selves, and we don't want to be caught in that trap. So I say all of this about the filter, basically to boil it down to this. Truth is the greatest weapon of warfare in this hour that we, the church of Jesus Christ has to combat the progressive lies and the advancement of the enemy's camp in this hour. Our mouth is like a launching pad, equipped and ready to fire mighty weapons of war. What we have consumed is embedded deep within our hearts and sits on the tip of our tongue ready to be heard. May the sword of the Lord be in all of our mouths, that we would be able to speak truth in this hour, that we would be a voice that echoes in the heavenly and resounds throughout all of the earth, establishing his story and bringing forth his glory. But you know what? We better recognize and know who our enemy is if we're gonna be launching mighty weapons of war. And Ephesians tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against powers, principalities, the rulers of the darkness of the world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Those are the ones we want to shoot the weapons of warfare at that bring death and destruction, that we would bring chaos, confusion, disarray into the camp of the enemy. This is where we put on our priestly garments and we stand in the gap and we pray and intercede. This is where we put on our kingly robes and we make decrees from the realm of heaven, calling forth what will be done in heaven will also be done on earth. We're not fighting against people or people groups. We love the people. We love the people groups, but we hate the sin that is holding people in bondage and captivity. We're out to set people free. And if we speak words of love and compassion under the prompting and anointing of the Holy Spirit when he says to speak, we can bring healing, we can bring deliverance, we can bring comfort, strength, peace to people who need it. Are you with me? Okay, but we need to understand that once we speak, and you know, let me just backtrack here. And if the enemy, I mean, if the Holy Spirit says be silent, then we don't speak. Because James says, be quick to listen. 
slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the wrath of man will never work the righteousness of God. Okay, but once the Holy Spirit has said speak, and he's chosen the weapon out of the arsenal that we have hid, his word in our heart, and we proclaim truth, be prepared, because the enemy does not like the voice of truth. We will face persecution, and we will face opposition. So we need to make sure that our next screen is in place, the screen of protection, the one that conceals us, the one that hides us, the one that veils us. Jesus faced persecution from the religious sector. He faced it from the world. He faced it even from his own family. But his word prepares us that we will face the same. John 15, verses 18 through 21, decree this. And this is Jesus speaking. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of this world, the world would love you. Yet because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world will hate you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the Father who sent me. And 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And Matthew 5.10-12 says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And last but not least, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. Beloved, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as, so, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached, persecuted, oppressed for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. So I have another question. And the question is not whether or not we will face opposition and persecution in this hour. The question is, how do we prepare for it? How do we prepare our hearts for it? There's only one place that we can protect, conceal, shield ourselves, and that's in the presence of the Lord. That's in that secret place that we so often hear about, that place where we're to be abiding, that place where we're to be living. We're going into it on a regular, daily, consistent basis. Why? 
because I want to know this one who loved me enough that he would die for me. For to know him is to love him. So we're on a passionate love pursuit of the Lord. And it's in this place when I get to know him that I can trust him. It is in this place where our faith, our courage, our trust, our peace is maintained and gained. It's a place of steadfastness that nothing can move me. I yield and I surrender myself to him. Jesus was able to go to the cross of Calvary because of the Garden of Gethsemane. His victory to maintain and be steadfast in the purpose for which he sent was gained in that garden. It was gained through his whole life. The secret to Jesus' ministry was the secret place. And again, we have to ask ourselves, we know this. It's not a new revelation. It's a fundamental, basic truth but do we do what we already knew? Because it's only in that position, in close proximity to the Lord, that we can be sheltered, protected, concealed, and shielded in our hearts, where we learn to abide with him steadfast, that we cannot be moved. And Acts 20, 24 says this, and this is Paul and he has gone through so much persecution and opposition. He's gone through scourgings. He's gone through stonings. He's gone through imprisonments. He's gone through shipwreck. And he says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of Jesus Christ, of God. He was not going to let anything quench his desire to fellowship with the Lord and to be a voice of truth. And that's where the Lord's summoning and calling us to in this hour. And Psalm 91 confirms that. And this is a beloved scripture by so many. And it says, he who dwells, he who abides, he who lives, he who on a regular, consistent basis dwells where? In the secret place of the Most High. Then shall we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Have you ever been outside and you can see your shadow? And you pull somebody into your shadow and you can make four arms and four legs and two heads. You see both shadows moving around. It's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about getting so close into the presence and intimacy of the Lord that we are so close in his shadow that I can't even see my own. I'm concealed. I'm hidden. I'm protected and shielded in this place. And there it said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. 
in God I will trust, for surely he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He will cover me with his feathers and is under his wings that I shall take refuge. Another symbolic thing telling us our posture in this hour needs to be intimate and close in proximity to the Lord. A mother hen, when she's out and about and her chicks are with her and she senses danger, she'll call them. I don't know what she says, cluck, 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 cluck. But they all come running and she takes them and she shelters them and protects them in her wings. And there his truth will be my shield and my buckler against every fiery dart of the enemy. And I will not be afraid. And then it goes on to proclaim the goodness of the Lord and his provision for us. And you know what it kind of reminds me of? And bear with me with my illustrations, okay? But this umbrella, and maybe today's a good day with the rain that we had, but may the red be symbolic of the blood of Jesus Christ. Life is in his blood, and he paid a heavy price for our redemption. He shed his blood. His blood has made us righteous, and it has opened the inheritance of the full sozo salvation of his kingdom unto us. And the white reminds me of his glory. It's all about him. I'm sheltered in his blood. I'm sheltered in him. I'm sheltered in his glory. And if I'm in the storm, I'm still in the storms. The storms are there. They're raging. But this umbrella shields me and it protects me from the storm. Are you with me? And I'm not going to cower and hide down in this covering. No, I'm going to live and move and have my being in him. It's him who shields me. I live, I move, I abide in him. He is my shield, my covering, my protection. And that's where our position needs to be. And we need to be steadfast so that we cannot be moved. And we also need to be aware of the posture of our heart. We know the position and close proximity to him. Now we need to be aware of the posture of our heart. We need to have a heart full of courage. We need to be fearless in this hour. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe. It's telling us we're not to be intimidated or silenced by men. The only one that we're called to fear is the Lord. And it's an awesome, reverent respect and trust and love of him. So much so that if he says to be silent, I'll be silent. But if he says to speak, then I need to be obedient as well and speak. When he calls us to wield a weapon of truth and speak his word, we need to obey. We cannot be intimidated by those who do not believe because their unbelief does not change the power of his word nor the authority of him. If we remain silent, we are no longer steadfast and moving onward in our journey in Christ. If we remain silent, we are being moved. We're being moved in this direction. We're being moved into a place 
of apathy. We're being moved into a place of complacency. Now we're being moved into a place of compromise. And if we're not careful, we're going to be moved into a place of lukewarmness. And what does the word of the Lord warn us in Revelation with the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3.16? It says, because you are lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. May we all have a backbone of courage in this hour. And when the Holy Spirit spoke to me about courage, he took me back to Nate Snyder. And I did ask Nate for his permission to share this illustration. But you know, a while back, he fell and broke his back. And he was laying in the hospital bed while we were there. And the physical therapist came, physical therapist came in and said to him, Matt, we're going to get up and walk. It's like, I'm the nurse. I'm like thinking in my mind, excuse me? His back is broke. And Matt's uh, Nate's looking like, yeah, okay. And she's like, we're going to brace and gird your back. We're going to make it strong, a strong backbone. They braced and girded him. He got out of bed. He started to walk. And the physical therapist was pushing him to see whether or not she could push him over. And she could not. He was steadfast and immovable. He kept moving. He kept walking. And Ephesians says the same to us. In chapter 6, three times, there's, a, there's an exhortation to us, the body of Christ, to stand firm and have a backbone of courage. Stand firm against the schemes, the ploys, the tactics of the enemy. And in the evil day, having done all to stand and stand therefore girded and braced in Christ, putting on the full armor of our Lord. And another posture of our heart, which we talked about before, needs to be love. We need to be operating in compassion and love when we speak truth and not in anger, hate, or retaliation of any kind. And again, the only place where you're going to get the type of love that is needed to be a voice of truth is in the presence of the Lord in that secret place, pursuing him, pursuing the one who loved us enough to die for us, getting to know him, for to know him is to love him. And when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment in all of this book of truth? What is the greatest and he said, the greatest is to love the Lord by God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, with all of your being. And out of that came the second commandment, to love thy neighbor as thyself. There's no way that we can have a love that filters out to the world around us unless we have a pure love between the Father and me, a love that is so receiving of the fullness of his love for me and me giving of my love back to him in a reciprocation and him pouring his love out to me that it just flows out of me. This is the only place where we can love one another, even as brothers and sisters in Christ, his love through us. This is the only place we can love the world around us. This is the only place where we can love those who persecute 
and come against us and oppose us. So we have to ask ourselves another question. Do I love him enough to die for him? He loved me enough to die for him. And if we would have the courage to say yes, if we love him enough to die for him, then we ought to love him enough to be a voice of truth for him in this hour. Revelation 12, 11 decrees, and they overcame him. They're talking about the enemy, the powers of darkness. They overcame by the blood of the lamb. They overcame by Christ's blood. We overcome by his blood. He is our righteousness. He has given us the fullness of his salvation. We overcome because life is in the blood. He's given us eternal life. He's given us abundant life through the shedding of his blood. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. We overcome by our testimony. We speak the word of the Lord. We speak truth and we speak the times that the Lord has redeemed us and we share those experiences and we say, do it again, Lord. Do your word again and again. Do what you've done in my life. Do it again and again. And most of us stop short right there. And we don't read the rest of the verse that says, and they did not love their lives even unto death. They had no fear of death. They knew that they were victorious and triumphant even in death. And Psalm 27 is a beautiful closure of this, that we need to watch our position and we need to be close to the Lord and we need to lead, watch our posture with a pursuit and a passion for the love of the Lord. And it's here where David says, you know what? Everybody was coming against me and trying to kill me, but there's one thing that they could not move me from. And that was my steadfast love and pursuit of the Lord in that secret place. In Psalm 27, verse one, it is the Lord who is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? It's the Lord who's the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, I will not fear. Though war rise against me in this one thing, will I be confident? And that is the one thing that I'm going to seek, that I may dwell in the secret place, in the house of the Lord, all the days of my life, here and now and yet to come, that I may behold the beauty of him and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he will hide me. You know what he's going to do? He's going to set my feet high upon a rock, the rock of Jesus Christ. And you know what? My head's going to be lifted up above my enemies all around me. For now I can see from a heavenly perspective. Correct? Therefore, I'm going to offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I'm going to sing Yes, I'm going to sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy upon me and answer me. Because when you said unto me, seek my face. My heart said unto you, your face, O Lord, 
I will seek. And you know what? If we're hidden in Christ, others, what are they going to see? They're not going to see me. They're going to see him in me, correct? So the third screen now that is in place is to display. And if all they see is Christ in me, then I'm broadcasting, I'm showing, I'm presenting him. And I'm not going to belabor this um, because I think it speaks for itself, but I do have an illustration that I want to show you regarding that. So we're talking about the third screening, which is to display him. And my husband says nobody will be ever able to see this little thing. But okay, what I have up here is nesting dolls. So, you know, just keep your creativity with me, okay? Let's assume this is you and me, okay? And we ask Jesus into our lives. And when we ask him into our lives, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, correct? And it seals us unto the day of redemption. Now, that Holy Spirit might look tiny, but it is the most powerful thing we've got, okay? This is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the same power within us that equipped and anointed him for his ministry on earth. This is the same power, Holy Spirit, that says, hey, guess what? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Hey, guess what? Greater is me who's in you than he who's in the world. Hey, guess what? You're gonna be able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think by my spirit that dwells within you. So now we've got Holy Spirit in us. We are in Christ because we've received him into our lives and our salvation is in him, correct? And who's Christ in? The Father. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one. And if we maintain that place of intimacy in the secret place, we abide and live and move and have our being in him, all that we're displaying and showing and broadcasting is him, correct? And our lives become an epistle for others to read. Letters forming chapters in a book. Those chapters are chapters full of love and romance. They're full of adventure and action. Some of them are full of horror and sorrow. Some of them are full of laughter and comedy. You know, life does have its ups and downs. We need to be real about this. But may all of it display the hope of glory that is within us. I've got to turn my page here, so bear with me. And why do we need to display that hope of glory? Because it is our hope. And the world needs hope. And they need to see and dis they need to see displayed, shown, broadcasted Jesus Christ in us. And whatever the enemy throws our way, if we surrender it and yield it to the Lord, no matter how difficult the times are that we need to get through that, somehow, some way, he turns it around to be part of his story and his glory. And the hope of glory will only manifest if we let Holy Spirit in to make himself known to us and then let him out to make himself known to the world around us. 
we don't need a Facebook page, a Twitter page, a TikTok, or what all of this stuff is out there to display ourselves, because most of them are false depictions. It's that when you get down to the real of life, the up and downs of life in our closest relationships and the circumstances and the people that we encounter, can they see the real me, the real Christ in me? These are times when we can't fake it to make it. We either have it or we don't. It's crucial in this hour that we retreat to our chambers, the secret place so the Lord can come out. The world is in desperate need of a good book to read in this hour. Let him read the book of our lives penned by the hand of the Lord that it might be his story and it might be his glory. Okay, and you know what? Those books are written for the pleasure of one, the pleasure of our king. That's all that really matters, the pleasure of our king. Does this please the king? And as we speak of books, it brings me to the last um, screening, which is the investigation. And again, you have to give me your creativity on this one, okay? To investigate is to check, to test, to look for the presence or absence of something that would make us suitable. And again, remember, we're talking about all these screenings in place so that we're acceptable and suitable to be the voice of truth in this hour, correct? So in this book, we're looking for one past experience. All of our past if given to the Lord, is washed away except one experience. And we're looking in this book to see whether or not we can find a record of that past experience. A record. We're looking to see if we have a record. A record revealing that we were arrested. We were seized and captured by the love of Jesus Christ. And we were taken into custody, his guardianship, his protective care, his kingdom of light. This one book, this one record is the Lamb's book of life. Are our names written in the Lamb's book of life? If our names are not written and maintained here, we're not qualified to speak the voice of truth None of the other screens are even important at this point in time if the investigation and the testing, the checking that's done on us does not reveal that one past experience. And Revelations 3, 5 through 6 decrees this. And this is Jesus speaking. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, the righteousness of Christ. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels in heaven. So he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. And Revelations 20 verse 15 says, and anyone not found written in this book of life was cast in to the lake of fire. May we all ensure in this hour that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the eternal book of the redeemed. 
John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12 decrees, nor is there salvation under any other, for there is no other name except that of Jesus Christ under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And Romans goes on to tell us, for all have sinned, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of our sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10, 9 through 10 decrees, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. For with the mouth one makes and believeth unto, for with the heart one believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Salvation is so simple, just realizing that we have a need, that we have sinned and we have a need, we have a need for Jesus in our lives. And then all we have to do is invite and ask him to come in. And once we're doing that, once we've done that, we are born again. We become new creations in Christ. His Holy Spirit comes into our lives and our names are sealed in the Lamb's Book of Life. And now I close with one final question. Are all our screens in place? And are we prepared and ready to be the voice of truth in this hour? If yes, then we need to go. We cannot just cry out for change. We need to be that change. We need to go for it. So I would decree over you, go into all the world and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go in the name and the covering of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go forth in love and compassion. Go forth in courage and in peace. Go forth in his power and under his authority. Go knowing that what he said to Joshua still pertains to us this day. Joshua was going back into the promised land to take back the inheritance that was theirs. And we are called in this hour to take back the inheritance that is ours, the lost coming into the kingdom of God and this nation. And this is what Joshua received. Have I not commanded you, instructed you, exhorted you, encouraged you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you may go. Go and be that voice of truth. Thank you for that, Patty. God bless you for pouring out your heart to us like that. If you need prayer for anything that you heard today or just anything whatsoever, would all the elders, life group leaders, and fathers and mothers raise your hand right where you are. Anybody who has their hand up right now would be fantastic to go to. Get some prayer before you go about anything you need. If you're staying around for the new members class, make your way right into the cafe, please. We're going to start ASAP. If you've got to sign up, it's not too late. We'll give you a special dispensation of grace. And, uh, but you might have to go out and get some food. No, I'm just kidding. You just meet us back in there. God bless you all. Have an awesome week in Jesus.